Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to the Varying Viewpoints podcast series. My name is Brandy Jones, and I'm the Associate Director for Communications and Strategy at the Samuel Dewitt Proctor Institute for Leadership, Equity, and Justice, as well as the Rutgers Center for Minority Serving Institutions. I am here today with our guest, Dr. Evans, the 17th president and the first African-American woman to be named the president of Bloomfield College, a college in New Jersey that is duly designated as a predominantly Black institution, as well as a Hispanic serving institution. Thank you so much, Dr. Evans, for joining us today. I'm excited to learn about what it means to lead an institution that serves and supports such a large proportion of low-income students of color. Thank you. You're very welcome. So we're going to get started. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself, um, as well as your role to becoming first woman president of Bloomfield College? You know, how far back do you want me to go? From when I was raised by my grandmother, from Alabama, or just professionally? Whatever you want to share. Whatever you want to share. I'll tell you this passion of service goes way back to when um, I was a little girl, born and raised in Mobile, Alabama, for the most part, by my grandmother. And, you know, during that time, the late 50s, 60s, it was a time of civil unrest, specifically for Black Americans. And in the state of Alabama, if you know anything about history, you know, again, all the uh, troubles that were happening within the state. Uh, My grandmother raised me to believe that education was the key. That, you know, she would always say, baby, they can take your house, your car, your clothes, but no one, once you become educated, no one can take that from you. And so it was always pushed on us that we had to get our lesson, as we were told as little kids. And uh, that meant showing up and being excellent in everything that we did. And so I wanted to make sure I didn't get in trouble. So I had to go to school. Go to school. And so she pushed that. And I knew it made her proud as well. So, you know, I continued my academic education. I graduated from high school when I was 16 in Washington, D.C., then went off to college. When I went off to college, I graduated from an honors program, and I wanted to be a, a physician, a medical doctor, but I didn't have the background that I needed in the STEM areas to be successful. I was in an English honors program and not in a STEM honors program. I struggled. I struggled specifically with organic chemistry. It was not my friend. I was not used to struggling so in classes. And basically, I just quit and decided, oh, I'll do something else. And so to make a long story short, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology and history. I have a master's degree in rehabilitation counseling and a master's degree in elementary ed. And my PhD is in counselor education and supervision. Wow. All that, you know, all that education, all those alphabet soups or letters behind my name was really to put me in in a position, Brandy, where I, um, positional power, you know, I needed to make sure I checked all the boxes. I wanted to be in higher ed because higher ed, again, there weren't many people or faces that looked like me in those administrative positions. So I started moving up the ranks as far as being an assistant, associate and full professor, I was a program coordinator, a department chair, associate dean, dean, provost, and now uh, eventually a president. As I stated earlier, I did a lot of that, Brandy, so that, again, when people look at me and see where I came from, they would also uh, hopefully be inspired and could say, if Marquita did this, then I can too as well. But also, I wanted to be able to sit at that table that when discussions are happening related to diversity and inclusive excellence, I would have that seat to make sure that our voices were being heard. And so that led me to eventually want to become a a college president. 
only 5% of uh, college presidents right now are women of color. So we're the most underrepresented group as far as college presidents uh, in, the, in the nation. So that's what's driven me to get to uh, wanting to become a president. Awesome. Thank you so much for just being in the 5%. And thank you for just being who you are. So moving forward, I know that Bloomfield is kind of in a very interesting position, being that it's both an HSI, a Hispanic serving institution, as well as a predominantly Black institution or a PBI. This means that the college has a full-time enrollment that is largely low-income with large shares of both Black students as well as Hispanic students. How do you think being duly designated as a PBI and an HSI, how do you think that has shaped the culture at your institution? Well, you know, it's been kind of an interesting dynamic. We're the only four-year uh, predominantly Black institution in the state of New Jersey. So we don't have any HBCUs here. Uh, as you've noted as well, we're a Hispanic-serving institution. Now, this, this transformation, I think, has occurred within the last maybe 25 years or so. And it has been a cultural shift. You know, when you look at minority-serving institutions, and I can tell you, yes, being a minority-serving institution is what drew me to want to be here at Bloomfield. Our students need to be in an environment where they see people that look like me or know that there are others that are part of the community that maybe come from where they came from that can help them be successful. So when we look at our culture here, I think sometimes, and you mentioned about a lot of the students being low-income, a lot of people see that sometimes as a deficit versus the strength that it really is. I have students, yes, that are homeless. Yes, I have students that their family can can only contribute very little amount of money to their uh, pursuit of higher education. But these students are working two jobs. They're taking care of siblings. They're doing a lot of different things, and yet they're showing up and being successful. You know, So um, I really want to try to reframe, I guess, how people look at Bloomfield College, not from, oh, those poor little black and brown kids over there, they're trying to get an education. We have students that are outstanding, that are super talented, and are doing everything that they can to get this higher education. And so culturally, you know, we're making sure that when you come to my office, you'll see there are pictures on the walls that look like our students. When we walk across campus, uh, the curriculum and other places and, and open spaces on campus, I want to make sure they see themselves on the walls. I want to make sure they see themselves within the curriculum that they're talking about. And from a strength perspective, not from that negative deficit model that a lot of times people reference when they think about our students. And I think that that's a really great point. I think that there needs to be more leadership that looks at those assets, that looks at those strengths, instead of looking at, you know, these are what they don't have, or these are what the students lack. So I appreciate your work and making sure that you're being intentional about what kind of spaces you're creating for the school, but also what kind of environments you want the students to feel welcome in. Yeah. So with that in mind, was that what kind of directed you or made you interested in leading Bloomfield? Was it because of the student population and your opportunity to kind of make a difference or what exactly attracted you to Bloomfield? Yes, I can't say that emphatically enough. It was definitely because they were an HSI and a PBI. And again, wanting to be, uh, as I mentioned, that that potential role model for them to uh, see hopefully what success looks like. If you stick your mind uh to something, to a task, and you kind of move forward with it. I will tell you, though, that Bloomfield originally was not on my radar as an institution to apply to. And, you know, I had this whole little metric set up. I um, 
you know, when I started looking for presidencies of what type of institution I wanted to be a president of, definitely minority serving was a part of it. Remember, I'm coming from San Antonio, Texas, right? Moving this far north wasn't necessarily a part of the plan. (laughs) Um, And also I had worked at University of Texas, San Antonio for many years, and they had 30,000 students. My previous institution, Our Lady of the Lake University, had about 3,300 students. So I was looking for an institution that had 3,000 to probably about 15,000 students. And Bloomfield has only about 1,800 students, which again, we're hoping to grow that enrollment, but it wasn't one I was really thinking about. And um, I always say sometimes God has a a sense of humor. I was at a a conference doing a presentation, a leadership presentation, and someone from the search firm came up to me and they knew I was looking for a presidency. And they said, Marquita, I think you might want to look at this institution. I'm like, yeah, I kind of saw the announcement, but it doesn't really meet all the marks that I'm looking for as far as my metrics are concerned. He says, yeah, but I, I think just knowing you and, and, and uh, knowing, you know, the kind of person you are, I think you need to check this out. I went, okay, let me look at it again. And so just so happened, I, I left talking to her and then I went to a session at the conference and lo and behold, the person sitting right next to me, this is where I said God has a sense of humor. The person sitting right next to me was a person from Bloomfield College. Wow. And so um, I didn't tell her why I was interested in asking her all the questions I did <laughs> about <laughs> the college. You know, what is she like about it and the students, the faculty. But, you know, having that opportunity to kind of do like a hidden shopper moment really intrigued me. And so uh, um, I literally went back and seriously looked at the job announcement, talked to my husband a little about, a little bit about it. And then I decided to go ahead and apply and came to campus, fell in love with the students, fell in love with the faculty and staff of the community as whole, and then uh, just really put my heart into applying for the position. And as I say, the rest is history. I got the job. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of just like moving forward and next steps, what are some of the initiatives that you're hoping to enact? as president. And are there any initiatives specifically aimed at Bloomfield's MSI designation? Oh, most definitely. So um, I do want to go back though to the, the previous question you you were asking. Me getting to Bloomfield was kind of, uh, I won't say I kind of fell into that opportunity, but everything else preparing me to that moment was very intentional towards checking those boxes. Uh, as a minority female, being the first black and the first female in a 151 year history here, uh, you had to have everything on point to even be considered for the position. And so I was very intentional about making sure that my portfolio was up to where it needed to be to even apply for the job. So, you know, now that I'm here, um, the, the college is going through a major strategic planning process. We're learning to embrace our identity we are a predominantly black institution and we are a Hispanic serving institution and we're not apologizing for that. That is a strength, right? And we're embracing that throughout everything that we're doing. In the strategic planning process though, we're discussing what I call five different themes that we need to focus in on. One is, the first theme is that we have to create a community that's committed to student success and uh, hopefully enrich, enhance, and strengthen our community core values. You know, do we know what our core values are? And then how do those core values get 
displayed in everything that we do, whether we see them on the wall, whether we interact with each other, is it in and how we treat our student and our community? That's what we talk about when we talk about core values. Another thing that we have to really focus on is kind of my second thing is looking at looking at how we grow and diversify our revenue streams. You know, private institution, Brandy, we are pretty much tuition dependent. We do have some funds that we get from our auxiliary services, such as our res life, residence life, and our dining services, but most of it is being dependent on tuition. We can't continue that way. So we're looking at how we can diversify and also grow those revenue streams so we're not so dependent on just that tuition. Third theme is we've got to improve our student satisfaction and success and retention. I always say we've got to recruit them, retain them and graduate them as fast as we can. Uh, and we want our students to be satisfied uh, or excited about their experiences here at Bloomfield. You know, this is, I always say, from 18 to 21 years old, this is the best experience or time of your life when you're in college. So, you know, it's going to be difficult in some cases, uh, a quality education, anything worth having, you got to work for. But you still want to be able to have fun, right? And to grow not just academically, but also personally, professionally, socially, all those kinds of things need to be a part of that experience. And we've got to improve our retention rate that if we're getting students here on campus that maybe are not as prepared as they should, how can we help make sure that they can move to the next level as far as retaining them and then graduating them? So big deals, big deals. Um, The other theme is looking at strategic partnerships to help grow our student enrollment. You know, the the six months that I've been here, I started in June 1, I've been meeting with mayors and assembly persons and uh, school superintendents and counselors, just making sure people understand and know what are we doing here at Bloomfield College and why it's so critically important for them to send their students to us. This is a special place, you know. But so many things are relational. And so I need to be out in the community and making those connections, getting them to eyeball me. And if they eyeball me and we establish these relationships, they're more likely to send their students to us because they know of my passion and commitment for our student success. And then the final thing is an investment in academic innovation and inclusive excellence. And what I mean by that is, When we look at academic innovation, we're looking at possibly online course development, but making sure that we have programs in place that when our students graduate, they are work ready. So having internships, externships, practicums, all those kinds of things, that's important. But what other types of programs, like we're talking about developing a criminal justice program, but I just don't want your typical criminal justice program. I want one that deals with social justice or what we call restorative justice as well. It's integrated within criminal justice. So it's not just looking at just the crime or the criminal part of it, but how can we do something different with maybe the criminal justice system, especially with our demographics of students that we have here on campus. So pretty much those are the the five things that I'm focused on right now. And we'll be working with the whole community as we move forward to give us strategic direction to make sure that our students are successful. That's incredible. I think that you have a lot of really great and innovative projects. So I know that you mentioned that you were in the position since June 1. I guess I just wanted to know a little bit more about what you've enjoyed so far about being the president of Bloomfield, but also what do you look forward to most moving forward? 
Well, you know, what I've enjoyed most is just really hanging out with the students. Yesterday, we had the first research day presentation on campus and listening to them. Uh, the various topics that they did their research presentation on, it just made my heart so proud. I'm like, this student's in the works, and they were dealing with discrete math, and I have a PhD and a lot of letters behind my name, but I could not even come close to some of those solutions that they were working <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay, this is another language for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had students that were dealing with coding as far as their presentation, again, was, was concerned. And so just seeing them how well they're doing. Some of them are graduating in December and some will be graduating in May. It just reminded me, this is why I do what I do, uh, to help them be successful. The most favorite part of my job as as an academic administrator is to see students walk across the stage at graduation. It is the fulfillment of their dream, the fulfillment of their parents and their whole collective dream. You know, a lot of my students are first generation. They're the first in their family to attend college. So when you see that and you're, you're a witness and you're a part of that, I get teary, Brandy, almost at every graduation because that's the favorite part of my job. You know, dreams fulfilled. So, so you know, thinking about two other parts is either the beginning of the school year when students are coming in and they're excited, they're nervous, especially if they're freshmen. Uh, just kind of easing that fear and that anxiety on the parent side as well as the student side. That is also another favorite part of my job and what I do. So that's it in a nutshell, I guess. Awesome. Awesome. Wow. So that was my final question. So I I just wanted to, again, thank you so much, not only for just the time that you're giving me today to kind of chat about Bloomfield and all the things that you have planned, but also just thank you for what you represent. And thank you for for all the work that you're doing to ensure that students are successful post-graduation and just crossing that stage. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think I failed to mention that I'm a mother of six and five daughters and a son. And all of them are college graduates. Uh, one that just got her PhD in May. But the point of the story is that I know what it's like to have to navigate uh, higher education and making sure that I help those that are first generation that don't know the process, help them be successful. But the closing point, though, that I, I really wanted to make was that You know, I need everyone in the community to know that Bloomfield College needs your help. You know, I've had a lot of people wishing me luck. I need more than luck. I need to know that if you know of someone or some group I can come and talk to or visit with to share about what we're doing here at Bloomfield College, I'm asking you to give me a call, shoot me an email, because we really, really, this is is not just Marquita. This is the whole community pulling together to make sure that our students are successful. I think that's a really important addition to what you've said already. And I think that that call to action is definitely necessary. So just to wrap up, um, like I said, thank you so much again for taking the time out of your day to chat with me about your new role and also some of the plans you plan to employ. It was such a pleasure getting to know you through this interview, and I can't wait to share this episode with all of our subscribers and our listeners. So if you don't have anything else you wanted to add, that's a wrap for our third episode of Bearing Viewpoints podcast series. And for anyone who's listening, please be sure to check out our website, www.proctor.gsc.ruckers.edu, for more information about our podcast and to listen to more episodes. Yay! Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs)